welcome to the Richard Hunter interview. As ever, this is the place where I'll be discussing matters of interest with a whole range of investment experts. In this episode, I'm pleased to be joined by Andy Ho, Chief Investment Officer of Vina Capital Investment Management, to discuss their Vietnam Opportunity Fund. Andy is also the Managing Director of Vina Capital, where he oversees the capital markets, private equity, fixed income and venture capital investment teams. Previously, he was Director of Investment at Prudential Vietnam's Fund Management Company and has also held management positions at Dell Ventures, the investment group of Dell Computer Corporation and Ernst & Young. And is a leading authority on capital markets in Vietnam, where he has led private placement deals totaling over 700 million US dollars. So the Vietnam Opportunity Fund, Andy, perhaps you could firstly talk us through what the objectives of the fund are. Yeah, thank you very much. The objective of VOF is to give um, global international investors access to Vietnam, uh, access to private opportunities, what we call private equity, as well as uh, public equities, which is uh, listed. So the portfolio, which is over a billion uh, US dollars in AUM, uh, invests across uh, uh, a number of assets in Vietnam, both private and uh, public equities. Uh, but we spend most of our time looking at the private side uh, and doing due diligence on these businesses, uh, negotiating private equity terms and participating at the board level or at the managerial level. And over time, hope that these investments that we've made have gone onto the stock exchange and we'll continue to keep them as a public equity or uh, take them to a trade sales. Uh, we've taken businesses to a trade sales such as to folks like Viagio, out of the UK, we sold the largest vodka business to Diageo. Uh, we recently sold the largest pharmaceutical company to a business in uh, Japan called Taisho. So effectively, we allow uh, international investors to access Vietnam, uh, whether it's private equity or public equities. Uh, but we spend our time entering these businesses as private equity uh, investments. The second thing is we also provide our investors with liquidity. We are listed on the London Stock Exchange and a part of the FTSE 250. As a result, our investors can come in and out as they wish. They can choose to buy when they wish at a discount. Uh, they can sell at a premium or um, it's up to them. And they can buy one shares uh, for, for, for four or five US dollars or they can buy a million shares. It's really up to them. So we provide that liquidity. Uh, for our investors to a listed vehicle. And third, we also pay dividends. We're the only fund um, in Vietnam that pays dividends. So we reflect the fact that we make good investments, uh, good return. Uh, we reflect that through the payment of a dividend and also the share buyback program, which is also a way for us to give back the profits of our fund to the investors. So through dividend and through share buyback. So in effect, we give access to investors. Uh, we give access to Vietnam in a liquid fund, and which pays dividend or share buyback uh, as a way to give back money to our investors. Is the fact that Vietnam is relatively undiscovered in in investment terms a help or a hindrance to your fund? Do you think? I think it's a, it's both. Um, <clears throat> It, because it's undiscovered, we have less competition for great opportunities. Uh, but because it's undiscovered, uh, we have to educate our investors much more. We have to spend more time with them. Um, it's um, obviously for folks in Europe or the United States, it's on the other side of the world. So we have to spend a bit more time talking to them about the political, the economics, some of the risks involved in investing in a place like Vietnam. So it's a lot of work and it's a lot of effort. And we hope that uh, through that work and effort, the, our investors will benefit because we are in, a, in an economy that's growing at 6 to 7% uh, per year. 
uh, last year in 2020, um, very difficult years for most people around the world. Uh, Vietnam grew at 2.8, 2.9% GDP. And in 2021 and 2025, we hope it will go on the average of 6 or 7% annum. Vietnam has been increasingly mentioned over the last couple of years, and it's often mentioned as a vibrant technology growth area. Your fund has around 3% in tech, with construction, real estate and financial services combined accounting for 60%. What's your thinking in largely issuing tech? Uh, we, we do see technology as playing a very uh, important role in the economy. Um, as, as you can also see that during this uh, pandemic, COVID time, a lot of technology businesses, uh, for example, the FANGs have done very well. Uh, a day or two ago, Google announced they've done very well in terms of ads. And so people are using more and more technology to access goods and services around the world, including Vietnam. Uh, so we see that's a good thing. Uh, so we are investing in technology. Unfortunately, what we also see is that t- the competition to provide services and goods through technology, um, whether it's e-wallets, online banking, or e-commerce, um, the, 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 the services through technology, through online, is very competitive. Um, and we find that a lot of times these businesses spend um, a lot of money to acquire customers. And sometimes it may not be sustainable. So, yes, we like technology. Yes, we want to invest. But we are very cautious that the business model may not be sustainable because the competition is quite intense. And I I think this is uh, applicable throughout the world. Um, Vietnam is no different. And it's uh, the the people who benefit uh, for the moment are the consumers. The investors like us have to be very careful that the, the technology and the business and the platform we invest in as a proven technology and a proven business model. So presumably you're seeing more potential in the sectors we mentioned there, namely construction, real estate and financial services. Yeah, we we, um, we tend to find that sectors that benefit or contribute to the growth of the domestic economy, because we're growing at 6 or 7% per annum, those sectors tend to do very well. Those are just basic sector. We are in a very, um, the GDP per capita is about 2500 to $3,000 per annum per capita. And as you can imagine, it's very low. And as a result, the upside potential just in the basic sector is tremendous. We're talking about healthcare, constructions, real estate development, banking. So we don't have to always go to technology and find that return. We can find good risk-adjusted return just in the old and boring technology as long as the management team is good and it can execute. It seems that Vietnam's grown very strongly at the moment. Does the fund have exposure to the burgeoning export market to the United States? Uh, yes, in, in some respect, we do have uh, investments in companies that export um, to the U.S. and, and Europe. And, and, and you're right. Um, Vietnam has enjoyed a significant surplus with the United States. I think it has a lot to do with uh, the U.S.-China trade war that has uh, has caused a lot of multinationals, including Chinese businesses, to consider Vietnam as an alternative uh, location for manufacturing and export. Um, and, and then Vietnam now is ben- benefiting from that trade war. And further, when uh, when we saw the pandemic in, 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 uh, in March and April this year, we also saw the disruption of the global supply chain. Our chief economists uh, basically call it a, a China supply chain, more so than a global supply chain. Um, and, and, and as a result, when China slowed down in March and April, 
everyone was disrupted. Because of that, there's even a more concerted effort to diversify the manufacturing around the world, and Vietnam happens to benefit from that. And so we look at it from a number of perspectives. We say, look, if the business comes to Vietnam, they will need industrial processing zone, they will need infrastructure, so they will need materials, steel, cement, so we will invest in that. Then we said, okay, if they're going to produce the goods for export, what sort of goods will be competitive on the export scene? Not all goods are competitive because today you may be competitive because your labor cost is one-third that of China, but tomorrow your labor cost may not be as competitive. So when we look at these investments, we have to say, okay, if we want to do this and we want to invest in business exports to the global economy, we have to be investing in a business that is sustainable over the next five to 10 years rather than assist development having a very competitive uh, position today, but tomorrow you're no longer competitive. Could you talk us through one or two of your top holdings in the fund and both in terms of what they do and why you think they're attractive? Yeah, sure. Um, we love to talk about the, the assets in our fund. Uh, we have uh, a very boring company, yet an exciting company. It's a steel company. Uh, they make, they're the largest steel company in Vietnam. We invested in this business at about 2008 timeframe. Uh, they were the 11th largest steel company in Vietnam. They were like other steel companies. They were, they were importing scrap metal. Your old car was being <laughs> exported to Vietnam. They would use electricity and buzz it down and create construction-grade steel from it. And everybody was doing that. So they came to us in 2008 and said, well, can we invest money? We invest about $50 million in this company. The, the ticker symbol is HPG. We invested the money in this business. And they took the money and they created, they, they invested in a fully integrated steel complex. What that means is they got away from importing scrap metal and they started taking a coke and iron and started making steel from the very beginning from A to Z. By doing so, they're able to produce steel at a significantly lower cost than the competitor. And so they grew. They grew significantly. And they grew to now to the number one producer of steel in Vietnam. And last year, they introduced, uh, they went from a 2 million a ton uh, capacity to 6 million ton capacity, and they continue to take market share. Now, why is that important? Today, it's important because the government is supporting the economy through investing in infrastructure. So that's taking up steel. Uh, second, uh, we still have a very vibrant property development space. Um, that is buying uh, a lot of uh, steel. So this investment we made uh, in 2007, 2008 was about $400 million in value, uh, market cap. Uh, today, the company is worth almost $7 billion. Okay, um, and, and so that's that's an exciting business. We continue to hold it. It's a, one of the largest positions in our portfolio, simply because we think in the next one to two years they'll continue to grow at twenty to thirty percent per annum in terms of profit. The second company we we have in our portfolio is is, is is a milk company. It's a consumer company, consumer milk company. And I want to bring this one up because it's done very well for us in the last 10, 15 years. It's the largest milk company in Vietnam. It went through what we call a privatization or an equitization process in 2005. And we put a small amount of money in that uh, process when the company was worth roughly $450 million. They are the largest consumer uh, business in Vietnam and has grown from $450 million to today being over $12 billion in value. Uh, they produce milk, uh, UHT milk. They produce yogurt, they produce uh, fruit drinks. And they have a brand name recognition that's number one in Vietnam. You can find their product in every single um, square meter, if you will, of Vietnam. That's how well distributed their brand is. And so we've been excited about their business. But as you can see, they've grown up very large. And the growth has gone from you know, 30% down to 20%, down 
down to 10%. Now in 2021, they're growing in the single digits. So from us, uh, we've done well, we've made a lot of money, but it's time to begin to scale down our investment in this business because it's not delivering the growth that we wish and reinvest that in other businesses uh, that will grow at 20, 30%. We've mentioned that the Vietnamese economy is going extremely well at the moment, but of course we have, by the same token, had this very difficult global backdrop, as you've been talking about. How has the fund itself been holding up? Yeah, we, look, I think the reality is we've been very fortunate. We've been in Vietnam, as most people around the world know, and Vietnam has done a very good job controlling COVID, uh, the pandemic. The communal uh, infection rate is, is down significantly. Um, we, uh, we have about less than 1,600 cases of COVID in Vietnam, less than uh, 35, 36, less about 35 deaths in Vietnam, very, very low. And the biggest case in Vietnam was actually a UK pilot. Uh, he became very ill. He lost both of his lungs, and he spent a long period of time in the local hospital system. And they revived both of his lungs and sent him back to the UK. Uh, I hope the UK will will be able to pay the hospital bill. Uh, but he's done very well, and he's gone back. So basically, what we're saying is the government's done a very good job isolating the economy, putting people into quarantine uh, when necessary for 14 days, and it's not voluntary quarantine. It's mandatory government control quarantine. So as a result, COVID is pretty much under control. And the most of the companies in Vietnam are still operating in a normal sense. Um, obviously, the uh, airlines ha- are having trouble. Uh, four or five-star hotels that cater to tourism are having trouble. But by and large, the rest of the economy is, is humming along and businesses are doing well. And as a result, our portfolio benefits from that. So our portfolio, the, the, largest, uh, the largest company in our portfolio, HPG, it benefits from the government's uses of money to, 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 to um, stimulate economic growth through infrastructure investments and property development. That company, the share price in that company alone for 2020 rose over 115% in value. Okay? So in terms of our NAV, our NAV, we've done very well. We've grown our NAV over 30% in 2020, and our share prices have grown at, at, at an even higher level because we closed a discount. We trade on the London Stock Exchange as a result. There's a difference between our NAV per share and our share price. Uh, when our discount is large, that means the NAV per share is much, much higher than our share prices. And so we've gone from the beginning of 2020 in the 15 to 20% range to now about a 5 to 10% range in terms of our discount from share price relative to NAV. So from that perspective, we've done well for 2020. Um, we hope to do well again in 2021. But again, our view is three to five years, and uh, and we hope to do well in a three to five year uh, time period. And we would encourage our investors to think about us from a three to five year perspective as well. Sure, sure. Uh, well, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for. But uh, many thanks again for your time, Andy, and for those extremely valuable and interesting insights. Um, And thank you for listening. Please feel free to like and subscribe. And, of course, you can find much more by the way of investment insight and ideas at iai.co.uk. I'll be back next Tuesday with another Richard Hunter interview.